0: All right. Did my did my very first uh sort of kind of live podcast this weekend. <laughs> I think I, it was just called a
1: performance.
0: Yeah, where I basically adapted our uh early textile organizing patron episodes into a presentation on labor history. So that was cool. Hell oh. yeah.
1: Yeah, that rocks. It's uh great to you know do tons of research and not just have it all go into what is it just under two hours worth of uh an MP3. <laughs>
2: well, yeah. and also like you know as great as podcasts are, like America has a rich tradition of public oration, which is <laughs> something you just you just don't see the soapboxes like you used to. Tell you what.
1: I'd love to see Dan uh, standing slightly over a crowd
0: pointing into the near distance Uh, (laughs) my big unpowered bullhorn that's just Mm -hmm. a cone of like paper (laughs) No, just a
2: regular road cone you can use those (laughs) they work that's
1: true (laughs) that's right Uh, uh, y'all want to just get going
2: yeah let's just do it Your favorite labor podcast My name is John
0: I'm Dan And I'm Lena
2: And we're an entirely listener-supported show, so if you support us on Patreon, hey, we really appreciate it. Uh, It goes a long way towards making sure that the show can keep going and we can keep bringing you hot labor news every week. It's also the number one place to find all of our overtime and bonus content, so check that out. Hop in the Discord if you're not already in there. If you are a patron and you need stickers, just message us on Patreon and we will get those to you. And if you want to help the show a little bit more, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think it will help
1: yeah also reading group is currently on tuesdays in the evening sometimes so if you got some free time and you want to do some learning jump in the discord and hang out with our reading group but let's start off our news today with a follow-up from the university of california which we had previously reported on uh, because some of the organizers there had been arrested for drawing chalk well, uh, the
0: well not cali- just not just arrested, arrested and charged with a f- with felony vandalism.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and so the University of California and their Gustavo police have uh, continued to assault the org- the organizers and you know union grad student workers. They're in retaliation for their strike last year. Uh, and you know, following that arrest and the in, uh, the indictment and the felony charges uh, for several students drawing chalk, the UC police searched another member's home this week. Disturbingly, part of the warrant issued by the judge allowed the cops to search for quote evidence of membership or affiliation with any university organization to include any reference to UAW or Ask Me. Um. Hey, why are they searching for people's union affiliations with the police?
2: Yeah, come out. We got a warrant for your IWW pin. (laughs) Well,
0: because that, I mean, that's the thing, though, is that it's like, uh, you know, I think it's really important to highlight like how specifically fucked up this is, because like it is it is one thing and still fucked up to take what is obviously the most misdemeanor of misdemeanors to ever occur drawing on a public building with chalk uh which should not even be a crime but if it ever was going to be it would be a misdemeanor not a felony like you know to see that sort of weaponization of the the justice quote unquote justice system uh in order to suppress labor organizing that's bad enough but the reason I think it's important to point this out is that basically this is like the judge saying that it, like being a member of a union or being involved with organizing of a union is itself – evidence of or related to evidence of committing a crime and mm-hmm. so like of course they'll just say well you know they're searching for evidence that they were involved with this vandalism or that this vandalism was planned but what it is essentially again the whole point of all of this and the reason that they put all this together is it's a, an attempt to scare the workers at UC about organizing to convince them that it was a bad idea and to try and, you know, suppress militancy within the union that might fight for anything more. Like, you know, we know cops have always been strike breakers. Like this is the the fact that the cops are doing anti-union shit is not the part of this that is, you know, necessarily notable. But this is an extremely open and blatant attack specifically on workers for organizing. And so, like, I think it's it's really worth highlighting how, you know, open the, the de- and, and I think, you know, partially also desperate, the attacks on labor organizing have become in face of how militant workers have started to get. But thankfully, also to note that, you know, this isn't happening without pushback from the workers. And so UAW local 2865 members have held major rallies in recent days demanding that the university drop these baseless, ridiculous charges against these organizers and stop this, you know, reign of terror that they're trying to use against, you know, (laughs) their workers and their students.
2: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: this and ridiculous. the kind of
2: the the kind of precedent that they're trying to set as well, just to to make it so that like you can basically use union affiliation as suspicion of criminal activity, which is you know that's a horrible thing to have to 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 fight to overcome.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it is. Recall, I recall uh, us continually bringing up the Yoon government in South Korea mm-hmm. when they raided the uh, the union, which which union? Um, KCTU, the mm-hmm. KCTU union, and found a, a
0: gun in the back of a toilet or whatever that they probably planted or whatever. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was just a complete completely on a pretext. And so, you know, this is something that we're seeing more and more of. And so, like, uh, just you know, to point out. Uh, <laughs> That the system does not that has been put in place by our political class does not like the workers fighting back, and so you know we should be prepared for more of this uh, as workers continue to stand up but uh, I think you know transitioning into a story also on the West Coast also in California, but uh, in a different sort of oppression, sort of the sort of thing you 're used to more from companies uh, than than the government here. I uh, want to talk just real briefly, just mention this story that came out. It was getting a decent amount of press last week. Folks may be aware that the uh, the brewer, craft brewery Anchor, like the Anchor Steam Brewery in San Francisco, was bought a few years ago by Japanese corporations uh, Sapporo Brewing. Uh, and this was, right, I, I think it was just like a couple of years before or around the same amount of time that workers had unionized with anchor, actually unionized uh with the ILWU, which is pretty cool. Um and so Anchor has is been a big name in San Francisco for a long time. It's been around for 150 years. And just last week, Sapporo announced, uh, well, uh, we're, we're going to close it. We just decided we're not making money from this. We don't really know how to make money from this. So the best thing to do is just uh, shut the whole thing down, sell it for parts, and move on. Uh, which, of course, has understandably outraged a lot of people, not, uh, uh no less among them the workers at anchor who of right. course I
1: think I remember the seeing a tweet saying that they found out via a news article they yeah. were not even told like directly about this plan of the of Sapporo to shut down a 150 year old brewery
0: yeah and so you know And also, it's like the the people of San Francisco, you know, were not consulted on if this civic institution should be shut down or not. And of course, the workers that do all the work and are the only people really in that building that matter uh, have also not been consulted. But now there's been a campaign by the workers and their union to actually launch a bid to buy out Anchor and run it as a co-op going forward, which would be... Really cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, even as somebody also, who doesn't drink, like that would be super awesome if they were able to pull that off.
2: And also is the kind of thing that should basically be enshrined by a law that if a mm-hmm. business goes under or has to close for any reason, the workers should get first right, what's it called? Right to reject? Right, right of rejection. Right, right of right of first refusal. Right of first refusal. Fucking nailed it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And so uh ILWU local six business agent Pedro de Sa said, quote all we want is a fair shot at being able to continue to do our jobs, make the beer we love and keep this historic institution open. We do not want the brewery and brand we love to be sold off before we've even had a chance, end quote. And, and they say that, you know, if Sapporo is willing to work with them, they will find the funding needed to buy the brewery and keep it operating. And so, you know, we, we don't know if, if, if the company will agree to that, if it's the sort of, if it will actually happen, but, I, I Part of why I wanted to point this out is because like the only reason this even has a glimmer of a possibility that it could succeed is because these workers are unionized and because like having not only their collective power at the brewery but the broader union as a whole behind them is like it, it's that collective worker power that it like is even making this possible in the first place yeah,
2: absolutely. Well, we should talk about some workers who are trying to develop that power for themselves at something that I wouldn't exactly call a community institution. So this is National (laughs) Chain Staples. This is yet another one of those uh, gigantic chains that's in every fucking mall in America that uh, we are finally starting to see some union activity at. So uh, this example comes from workers at Staples in Brunswick, Maine. These 12 workers at the Cook's Corner store in the quite small town who are making up the entire non-management workforce there presented a petition to the NLRB at the end of June asking for a union election. The workers have pointed out that they make less than workers at the nearby McDonald's, Five Guys, and Walmart. Damn, this really is every town in America. All of whom <laughs> make at least $19 an hour. While some Staples workers are stuck at 15 They say they like their jobs and don't want to leave, but the pay is just too low, their benefits are unaffordable, and the company refuses to offer workers a full 40 hours a week. So, I mean, like like with a lot of these like lower paying national chain kind of jobs, it's basically the exact, uh, uh, you know, workplace asks that you would expect. The, the wages are low, even when you compare it with that Foot Locker and that PF Chang's and that Costco and that AMC movie theater, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. And, and I, I think it's, this is one of those things that I feel like people be like, First off, A, I'm a little surprised Staples is still open. Um, Sure. But that's not really here nor there. But the reason I mention that is the fact that I think that that's actually one of the aspects about this that makes this take a little bit of extra courage. Like, you know, not because, look, launching a union drive is a courageous act no matter where you do it. But, you know, I, I was reading the story on this and the workers were basically like, yeah, we know they might threaten to close the store but they're like we like our jobs and we like working with each other and but it needs to be a place that we can actually afford to to work at and so you know mm-hmm. i think it it's fucking badass especially the fact that they have the entire non-management workforce signed up to this
1: yeah, mm-hmm. well, and they're definitely going to threaten to close the store regardless because that is, especially in a situation like this, I mean, even in the retail environment where we unionized, where stores don't close very often, they still threatened us with that. So, I mean, that's, the, but, you know, whether it happens or not, really proud of these workers for standing up for themselves. But uh, still in Maine, our next story, we ought to talk about the governor there who mm-hmm. uh, is incredibly racist.
0: <laughs> yeah, so... um you got to throw in a second main story in here. Uh, <laughs> but this is unfortunately not as cool as the workers unionizing the very first attempt to unionize staples. So this past week, you know, we've talked a lot on the show about the history of labor rights in the United States, such as it is, and how there have been traditionally carve-outs uh, that have, were engineered with you know racist motivations behind them for keeping – specific groups of workers from being able to access those things. And especially when you talk about, like, you know, the the pivotal legislation of the New Deal, those two groups were were domestic workers and agricultural workers. And those groups of workers were kept out of those bills in order uh, to, you know, appease politicians in the South who didn't want to give any labor rights to black people. And those two groups of workers at the time, back in the 30s, were like predominantly black, and so they wanted to prevent them from getting labor rights. And it also was a big win for capitalists in those industries, because they were able to keep wages incredibly low compared to the rest of the workforce. Now, the reason I give you all that history... (laughs) is that one of the things that we constantly talk about is how fucked over agricultural workers in this country get. Just not, they don't have access to any of the labor rights unless they're in California, and only very recently a couple of other states like New York And so there have been state-based efforts to try and actually give some of the, even just the basic, very meager, not really that strong labor rights that the rest of the workers in the U.S. have. And so there was a bill like that that had gotten through the Maine legislature to give agricultural workers in the state who harvest, you know, blueberries or potatoes or any of the other state's agricultural crops – a, just access to the state's minimum wage, not even a higher minimum wage, just the thirteen eighty that everybody else has as the minimum wage in Maine. But Governor Mills vetoed that bill. Uh, she somehow claims that she supports a minimum wage for farm workers, but that this bill, as it was written, would have had unintended consequences. Uh, I think the unintended consequences she meant is the agricultural workers making more money and their employers making a very, very, very slightly less profit Uh, because... This is not the first time that she has done this because last year uh, she vetoed a bill that would have allowed agricultural workers to unionize, uh, which I believe she also gave the exact same excuse for. Like, I support labor rights, but the way this bill is written, there's problems. This is a standard politician line for when you know a bill that you are, you know, canceling or vetoing or whatever is very popular, but, you know, your paymaster's. Your capitalist uh, owners have decided that that bill cannot be passed. And so we do have a quote here from uh, Cynthia
1: Finney, a president of Maine, the Maine AFL CIO, who said, quote, this veto carries the historical stain and stench of exploitation and racial exclusion. It's embarrassing and shameful. Farm workers are some of the hardest working people in our nation, and they deserve fair and equal treatment, end quote. And I mean, it, it's true. I, I don't think that uh, people being hardworking necessarily. I mean, that's more of just an emphasis, I'm guessing. You know, it's it's good rhetoric. Not to, I don't want to rip the statement apart too much.
2: Well, it's just, it's tough because I think, you know, farm workers experience not just like a lot of labor exploitation and and, and racial, you know, violence and, and, and mistreatment, but they're also just extremely invisible to people mm-hmm. who live in the United States. Like most mm-hmm. people in the United States really do think that like all of your food comes from like one dude with a piece of corn in his mouth <laughs> sitting on a tractor yes. operating like the biggest combine harvester you've ever seen and that that's it and that is, the, you know, it really couldn't be further from the truth maybe that's the way some like uh corn is is harvested to feed to cattle but that's about it
0: you're not <laughs> you're not harvesting blueberries with a combine it no. is hand labor yeah it mm-hmm. is really you get hard this, uh,
1: <laughs> it's this little like tray you know like a, imagine like one foot section of a gutter that's closed on both ends and has little tines on it that's how you you and uh, you put it underneath the bush and you shake it and you know that anyway yeah It's fucking, it's hard work.
2: It's hot, hard, difficult work that will break you down, and they deserve some attention, and they definitely deserve a huge increase in the quality of their conditions. But moving from some of the lowest visibility workers to arguably the highest visibility workers, with the possible exception of professional athletes, uh, we're talking about SAG and the WGA, folks. So this has been a banner week for the Hollywood studios. They're absolutely gleeful because their share prices have totally plummeted. Did I say gleeful? I meant (laughs) that. They're fucking miserable. Uh, so in the face of these two strikes, they're just absolutely proving themselves woefully incapable of handling anything that's going on despite their vast hordes of wealth. And we did see that, according to Dan Siner on Twitter, since the WGA West strike began, the value of Disney has gone down $25 billion. It's 14.2%. Paramount has gone down $5 billion. That's 35%. And Warner Bros. has gone down $2.24 billion. That's 7.5%. And at over 80 days into the writer's strike and with the actors fresh on the picket lines, the workers have been able to strike an impressive series of blows to these studios' bottom lines across the board. I believe people have been posting Netflix uh, stock price going down quite a bit as well.
0: Yeah, and just to immediately respond to any pedantic uh, reply to this, that's not actually how much the company's worth, that's just their market cap. I know, and it doesn't matter because the way that the CEOs of all of these companies advertise their successes is by raising the market cap of the company. Mm -hmm. So from their perspective, it might as well be the same thing.
2: Right. So... The the issue here, and that what's keeping everything dragging on for so unbearably long for AMPTP, is that on July 13th, SAG-AFTRA did actually propose a deal to them that contained many provisions which address such things as streaming revenue, residuals, per diems, rates for dancers, relocation for work, and many more issues. It's available on Twitter, and it's really good. Most of these were either rejected out of hand. Like, you see the response column from, from the AMPTP, and it just says, rejected, like, group group rate change for dancers rejected
0: um there was i was reading uh one of the right i no it was one of the actors on twitter was talking about this the release which is i love this tactic by the way fantastic tactic by sag after and i think the wga did the exact same thing when Mm -hmm. they started their strike basically like look here here is our positions this is what we're asking for. So you don't have to like wonder if we're telling the truth. Here you go. Here it is. And here's what they said because it's and it's one of those things where transparency is always going to be in the workers' like, favor on this point because it's always the bosses with the ridiculous positions. And mm-hmm. one of the 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 actors that I'd seen talking about this was they were specifically talking about one of the items was on the the union had proposed raising the penalty for making workers like work through meal breaks, we've talked about that like before with IATSE workers, where like they they have a specific number of hours they can work before they're given a meal break, but it's the studios can extend through that; they just have to pay extra on top of it. And I guess they had proposed an even higher penalty because they're like, look, we're not actually getting the meal breaks. And and so we need to make it higher so that we'll actually be able to tell the studios, no, you have to actually give people the meal breaks. And supposedly the response from the studios was like, we're just not going to give you the extra meal breaks. We're just going to pay whatever this is. And we don't want to pay extra money. So no, (laughs) it's just like,
2: Come on. I mean, it's frankly unbelievable. But the thing is, is like I think there were only one or two items in the list of like well over a dozen things that they even kind of tentatively accepted. The things yeah. that they didn't reject out of hand, they offered to whittle down to standards that basically would have been acceptable in the industry possibly two decades ago, probably more. Um and so Universal Pictures also kind of upped the ante by mixing some pettiness into their anti-union strategy and also, you know, putting people in physical danger by trimming the fucking leaves off of the trees that were providing shade to the picketing workers outside of their building. On the brink of a major heat wave where temperatures, according to the forecast, would regularly be above 90 degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, the LA City Controller's Office did say it's investigating the incident, but don't hold your fucking breath that they'll find against one of the largest companies in their jurisdiction oh and actually they ended up finding them 250 fucking (laughs) dollars yeah literally Uh, an amount of money you could find an individual that probably wouldn't even mess them up too bad
1: i I think i also saw them say that this is when they do it every year which has to be either the worst tree management plan uh or just a fucking lie because you don't cut trees when it's the hottest out like that's just you do it in the in the spring and in the fall.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I mean to your point like like we have this statement where NBC Universal's told Dateline, "We understand that the safety tree trimming of the ficus trees we did on Barnum Boulevard has created unintended challenges for demonstrators. That was not our intention. In partnership with licensed arborists, we have pruned these trees annually at this time of year. We support the WGA and SAG's right to demonstrate and are working to provide some shade coverage."
2: I just Googled when to trim ficus trees in Los Angeles. It says only trim back in the cool season. Typically, early spring is best.
0: (laughs) I'm going to fight these
2: motherfuckers.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, and it's just like, look, I I mean, like, Lena, you know all about, you know, trees and plants, but look, I, I don't know anything about green stuff, and I'm like, I don't think you're supposed to chop everything off. Hey, I don't think you're supposed to chop everything off the tree ever. But if you were oh. going to, I don't think the hottest month of the year is the time to do it.
1: And I saw the photos of them. Those trees were basically bald. You could you're only supposed to remove about like a third of the foliage during proper trimming time. They took like half or more.
0: Those trees might die. Mhm. Yeah, and it this is also like I mean This is so in line. I mean, it's like, you know, Amazon getting the time changed Mm -hmm. on the the traffic light in front of the facility, you know, in, in, uh, down in Bessemer when they were having that drive, getting that changed. I mean, we, we, the bosses get so petty with this sort of bullshit. Uh, I mean, it's not surprising, but it is still fucking gross. Right, and it's also yeah, it's another one of these things that continues to highlight exactly what you're saying, John. It's like, oh, we have a we have a law that protects the trees, except not really because the fine is just this absolutely trivial amount.
2: Well, and like in addition, SAG and WGA have also filed a labor grievance against NBC Universal after they blocked off the sidewalk where picketers were protesting. The WGA said that, says that this has quote forced picketers to patrol in busy streets where two picketers have been struck by a car, end quote. Which is just like, yeah, they're, they're trying to figure out every way to basically make it impossible or inconvenient to strike. And I just don't really even, I mean, I know why they're doing it, but it's also like, that's never going to stop the union power that's on display here.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, and honestly, like, especially since, you know, SAG joined the strike, like, what do you think they're going to run out of picketers? Right, one hundred and seventy thousand members. Like, you. Oh, we we we're gonna. That'll show them. We blocked the the sidewalk. Like that's bad, and they should be punished for doing it. But also, that's why it's like that's why this sort of shit bugs me so much because I'm like, you know, it's not going to be effective. Mm -hmm. You're just doing it to be assholes. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then we've also seen solidarity on these picket lines, you know, with all of these horrible attacks from, uh, you know, management, the AMPTP and such. The the Teamsters have also come out there uh, to support these overlapping strikes with uh, leader Sean O'Brien speaking on the picket line saying, quote, Look who's running Hollywood right now. Corporate America. Big corporations—they don't care about people. They care about the bottom line and the balance sheet. End quote. And uh, I was just watching uh, Sean O'Brien speak earlier. It's—I I can't do his do his bit justice.
2: <laughs> now, we had, we did also hear from hollywood teamsters leader Lindsay doherty who spoke saying quote this is a historic moment in our industry hasn't happened since 1960 but it goes to show that workers are not happy with their current conditions with big tech infiltrating our industry as well as the streaming companies we need to take back what's ours and the article did also mention that she remarked that the last time these unions were on strike together ronald reagan was running sag which as we've mentioned before on the show was basically just a coincidence. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah,
0: He had nothing to do with that, but thankfully, you know, there's been really broad based support from every level of, of SAG. Like I've seen all sorts of big name stars. I saw Lupita Nyong'o was out there on the picket line in New York, uh, this weekend. I've seen like all sorts of actors, although not Tom Cruise who asked if he could continue promoting mission impossible during the strike. (laughs) It's like his, no. His, loyal,
2: his loyalty is not to the union. His loyalty is to the Church of Scientology.
0: Yeah, I know. It just fucking sucks. But but and then I will say to give credit where I did not think it would go. I saw a story today that Dwayne the Rock Johnson gave the single largest donation to the SAG strike fund a a, a single individual has ever given. Wow, which. Well. I was completely shocked by, but hey, wow. credit where credit's due, that rule. Yes. Yeah, way
2: to go, Dwayne. I mean, you have been in a lot of <laughs> shitty movies that have paid a lot, a lot of money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, time to use some of that money for good. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, because I mean, he's been on that like entrepreneur grind set stuff mm-hmm. for so long. I never would have expected the solidarity, but that's pretty great.
2: Maybe yeah. the greatest grind set of all is banding together with your fellow workers.
0: That's right.
1: That's right. <laughs> well, and to, you know, speak to that in our next story, we need to follow up on the LA hotel, uh, workers who where you know, there was 15,000 hotel workers in LA who are organized with unite here. Local 11. They've been engaged in a series of rolling strikes over the past few weeks, the latest rounds of strike were on pause uh, during July sixteenth, and negotiations have resumed. Uh, but the union has emphasized that they will restart the strike at any time uh, until they've reached the con- reached a contract. But I mean, they've they've been part of uh, a massive surge of workers fighting back in LA over the past few months, joining writers, actors, Teamsters, and many other striking workers. At this time, the, the union has stayed firm in their requirement for an immediate five dollar. In uh, our wage increase to deal with the, the massive rise in the cost of living in the city. They cite the recent survey showing that more than half of their members have had to move or are willing to move. Sh- uh or or will or will be moving shortly uh due to the soaring housing costs in LA but uh, addition in addition to the challenges of maintaining the strike however the week uh this week the union filed ULP charges against uh, the a new labor broker app which this this was of interesting story uh that's being used by hotel companies to hire scabs to punish those who you know change their mind and show solidarity with striking workers so what this means is like so they hire scabs the scabs can go out on strike right well when they're hired by these apps they can actually just be cut off from ever being part of these apps again
0: yeah so like to to kind of explain some of the background on the legality there it's like so obviously you should never scab and scabbing is terrible and anti-solidaristic and extremely bad but of course scabs do still have the right to strike because they are still acting you know as workers even though they're acting against their fellow workers and part of the reason that's important is because of course one of the tactics for winning a strike is convincing other workers not to scab and there are plenty of times also where own where where business owners will mislead scabs and tell, don't tell them anything about a strike and just be like we have open jobs. Also, you need to come to this back entrance that's nowhere near the picket line and you can't see any of that. There's no strike. So, but the thing that this this app is allowing them companies to do is essentially to create a blacklist of worker of any worker who, you know, shows up to do scab work and decides that's not the right thing to do. Um, and so like, that's really bad, <laughs> not just for, you know, the ability of these workers to get work. Cause you know, I, a little bit of karmic punishment for scabbing would never be the worst thing in the world as long as it's small, but like, this is a complete bat- blacklist and a big part of why that's problematic, you know, for workers who want to build unions is that by making it more, making it harder for scabbing workers to change their minds and realize, oh, actually, this is fucked up. I don't want to help break this strike. That's just going to make it harder to win strikes. It's going to make it harder to convince scabs to stop scabbing, because if they're like, well, if I do this once, even though I don't really want to keep doing this, I'm never going to be able to get work on this app ever again. And so this has become a really problematic uh, weaponization of technology by... By these hotels.
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems kind of illegal to, like, basically automatically fire people or, or to blacklist them from organizations for concerted, protected activity. It's... Well, y-
0: yes and and hence the ulp charges uh from unite here because it is definitely illegal um now we'll see if the courts understand that it's illegal because they may not understand the technology and therefore not understand that it is clearly a a, a legal violation um and i mean yeah there was a quote in the, this is uh, in this uh, really good piece of reporting uh that i'm getting most of this from uh, which was a article in the like Reuters network, uh, although it's, it's from the, this like sub Reuters website called context.news. And, and they had talked to this UC Irvine professor of labor law, Vina DuBall, who told them that the, the, the app InstaWork, that the, this, this scab labor broker app that has automated blacklists, uh, she, she said that the, the app appears to be a form of quote, automated violation of US labor law. End quote, which I think is a very accurate description of what this app is.
1: <laughs> they instead of having managers and and shitty bosses uh, break labor law,
0: they've had the robots start doing it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, this is a shockingly uh, big industry. Uh, I mean, last or, yeah, last year I believe the the scab labor app industry. This is specifically like app based labor brokerage. Uh, for the purpose of breaking strikes, brought in $21 billion last year. And it it not only, of course, provides employers with an easy link to the Reserve Army of Labor, but it also preys on the horrible conditions facing the working class in the economy. You know, we despite all the talk about Bidenomics and the recovery, we've had seen homelessness quadruple since the start of the pandemic. So, of course, there's a huge surge in people who are desperate for work, who can then be preyed on By these sorts of apps
1: right and well i mean and also with the the lowering of the actual real wages that people earn there's also the fact that scab labor tends to be a kind of paid at a premium because they have to in order to get people to go against their fellow workers
0: and so you know people have seen any of the scab nurse tiktoks yeah nightmare but yeah, and I mean, considering – but how bad the conditions are that some of the workers that are, have been using this – like, for instance, one, of the, one worker who has used the app before, a man named Thomas Bradley, who was interviewed by Reuters, uh, said that he's been homeless and has been living out of his car and has been using InstaWork to try to find quick jobs to make money. But when he was brought into the Laguna Cliffs Marriott to work as a scab, he turned around and said, hey, that's – look, I, I do need the money, but I didn't come here to, you know, break a strike. And he joined the picket line and stood with his fellow workers. And in response, he's now been blacklisted and and cut off from the app. And while you know, I I think a lot of this will go into specifically the app side of it. Like a lot of the discussion about this, oh, we have all this automation. We have to have all the regulation on the automation. I I don't. I think that's looking at a symptom and not so much the problem. Ultimately, I think what this is really highlighting is that. Is the problem broader of labor brokers and temp agencies in their entirety, in the way that they exist to connect bosses to the reserve army of labor, not in a way that is going to pull those workers out of the reserve army of labor and give them steady employment, but purely as a way to have an instantaneous and always short-term workforce available without ever improving any of those workers' conditions. Like, it's the sort of thing that even if you were, like, looking at this from, like, a social democratic lens, it's like, I I think, like, if you were looking at it that way, it'd be like, one of the things you would fight for this is not like, oh, I I want more regulation on apps. Okay, sure, great. How about this? It's like, uh, all hiring has to be done either directly or if you want to hire wor- and not for a permanent position, you need to hire direct through a union. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, because otherwise, you're just going to always have loopholes that people are going to find in all your different regulations to have these sorts of labor brokerages. And, and I think that that's, un- that's what we have to be going after here.
1: Also, make scabbing illegal. Well,
2: (laughs)
0: I mean, yeah, but they're never going to do that. I mean, they're never going to do what I suggested either, but like. (laughs) And that's why we need a revolution, folks. Yeah, that's right. Well, but anyways,
2: well, yeah, I mean, they've been trying to automate uh, your exploitation for a really long time, and you know, they've been trying to sell you on the idea that they wouldn't have done it if you hadn't asked for so many rights, uh, which <laughs> is just an absolute uh, real, real bullshit motif in the uh, in the labor relations situation that we have to deal with. But speaking of bullshit motifs in labor relations, uh, we're gonna follow up with some workers at Wabtec, where we have unfortunately seen some of them hit by a car while picketing, which is is becoming more and more common. Uh, so about 1,500 UE local 506 workers at Wabtec, manufacturer of green locomotives, have been on strike now in Erie, PA, for about a month, who we talked about, I believe, one or two episodes ago, fighting for fair wages and benefits, but also critically, the right to strike over grievances on the shop floor. The strike appears likely to continue with recent negotiations with a federal mediator lasting all of six minutes before the company walked out. I love it when they get the com- to walk out. That's my favorite. Uh, well, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I I normally agree, but in this case, I think it's pure bad faith. It's like because I was reading about this and li- like they came together and they were like, okay, let's have negotiations, and the company was like, no, and just left. Which is just it's the Starbucks tactic, really. Mm. All right. Well, then that's not my
2: favorite, but you know, <laughs> uh, you know, still, uh, at least the workers are standing strong in the face of that, but. The company lied and claimed their refusal of the bargain is due to "quote" schedule conflicts. Um, what
0: your your business is on strike? What other what other things you got on your fucking schedule? Uh, <laughs> right.
2: Uh, my my kid has a, a dance recital. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the, the two sides have moved closer to each other on base wages recently, but the company has refused to budge on proposals from the union to drastically curtail the company's tiered wage system. A sticking point we have never seen companies stick at before, (laughs) uh, which would, of course, equalize new lower-paid hires with legacy top-tier workers in half the time that it currently takes. So they're not even asking to flatten everything. They're just saying, like, look, let's just truncate it and make it so that it only takes half the time to get to the top of the tier system. And we did hear uh, from Scott Slauson, president of Local 506, who said that the workers are united and resolved to stay out as long as it takes to win a fair contract, saying, quote, our members knew if they went on strike that it could go on for a while, which I love the uh, uh the great the real Great Lakes understatedness of that, where he's just <laughs> like, yeah, we knew if we did this, it could last, you know, a bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and so, you know, Wabtec has been continuing to try and operate their plant using scabs, Uh, They've hired private securities to surveil and harass picketers. And and as you mentioned at the top of the story, unfortunately, as we've seen with so many strikes around the country and around the world, uh, you know, we've continued to see more and more aggressive uh, actions from drivers against picketers. And uh, last Monday, July 17th, two workers were struck by a car driven by a scab trying to enter the plant. Thankfully, the collision was at low speed and workers were not hurt. Uh, but this, I, I wanted to mention this because it's like, look, this is not going away. Like this is going to keep happening and unions and not just, you know, the independent, maybe a bit spicier unions, every union needs to have some sort of a plan to deal with it. Whether it's using a blockade with your own vehicles or something, whether it's, a myriad of other ideas that you should talk amongst yourselves about. We have pitched it before. <laughs> yeah,
2: I've pitched it before, but I'll say it again. Portable bollards.
0: <laughs> yeah, just some way... To keep you know picketers from being hit by cars it's a big challenge It's very difficult to do with the way that like law uh, forces you not to be on company property, which oftentimes pushes you into or immediately adjacent to the street. but like this has been happening and happening and happening, and so uh, you know just as we try to adapt and overcome with any other you know uh means of fight back by the bosses, we need to do so here My newest
1: idea is do the thing that construction does, and up the road put a sign that says
0: merge left (laughs) (laughs) yeah just prey on people's inability to like correctly follow instructions (laughs) but um yeah so we've got to you know move to another area of you know bullshit from employers we almost had a strike at one of the country's biggest freight haulers uh this weekend which still could happen in 30 days. So, you know, we've been talking a lot about the Teamsters lately, of course, with the possible strike at UPS just a week away, and of course, them being active and continued supporters of the WGA and the SAG after strikes. And up until literally yesterday, on the day we're recording this on Monday, it looked like we had a very real possibility that they could simultaneously be on strike at both UPS and Yellow Freight after uh, Yellow Freight, which is, of course, the confusingly named freight hauling giant, which uses, in fact, orange trucks, uh, had failed to make a required $50 million payment to the Teamsters Health and Pension Fund for their workers, which was going to result in the accrual of those benefits to the workers at Yellow stopping this weekend. Uh, And so (laughs) with, with that the Teamsters immediately, you know, launched into a campaign to pressure Yellow to make its payments, uh, including a strike threat, because, you know, you're not going to drive and not get the healthcare benefits that you fought, you know, your whole life for. And so... Sean O'Brien came out with a very strong statement. <laughs> I will say the, the Teamsters have not minced words talking about Yellow and their failure to make this you know gigantic payment that they owe the, the pension fund, where he said, quote, Yellow has failed its workers once again and continues to neglect its responsibilities. This corporation's gross mismanagement is another affront to the livelihoods and well-being of 22,000 Teamsters na- nationwide following years of worker givebacks federal loans and other bailouts this deadbeat company has only itself to blame for being in this embarrassing position <laughs> <laughs> and and then uh no you know just to just tag on uh, secretary treasurer fred zuckerman added quote our members should not suffer because of management's incompetence and f- financial irresponsibility this is a new low even for a company as dysfunctional as yellow
2: and And they are super dysfunctional because i looked up why they're called yellow and it's because they used to be a partnership between two brothers who ran the yellow cab company and the yellow uh, freight company but they had a falling out and split the company between them
0: (laughs) (laughs) and that's why their trucks are orange weird (laughs) No, yeah. no, that's also incompetence. Yeah, I
2: don't think that <laughs> explains why the trucks are orange. <laughs> I just
0: we're just thinking, gonna get all these pe- people being like, I think they look yellow. and We're yeah. just gonna get in the the dumbest argument in. Uh, but uh, yeah, maybe no, 1920s yeah.
2: paint colors had a different standard for what's <laughs> yellow. Yeah,
1: yeah. Boost our post by telling us what your favorite shade of yellow is and having <laughs> orange.
0: That's right. And so, like, in response to all this, unsurprisingly. Yellow has been crying poverty, claiming that they're struggling and they're trying to stave off bankruptcy. And that, that, this, this time, unlike a lot of those claims, they might have a bit to do with that. It, it does seem like Yellow has been very badly managed. Uh, like, it's not just insults from, from from Teamster leadership, but also some some truth there. Uh, they, they said in a statement that they do plan to eventually <laughs> make this $50 million p- uh, payment, but that the delay was necessary to, quote, preserve liquidity. Uh, and the thing with this is, though, it's like even with all their mismanagement, like, Yellow is still the third largest less-than-truckload freight hauler in the country. The Wall Street Journal reports that they claim to be losing tens of millions of dollars every month, but they were also reported as having over $100 million in cash on hand, to which I'm just like, well, if you have $100 million in cash, and you're the third biggest trucking company, well, take that half of that and make your payment to the fucking pension fund— and then use the rest of it to be like, look, we have $50 million, give us a loan to any and al- bank.
2: And also, uh, when large companies claim that they're concerned about liquidity, they are always lying. <laughs> they can always get credit from the government. They can yeah. always get credit from VC investors. They can always find, they have the money. Liquidity is fake and made up and a lie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Yellow's not a startup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. They have huge amounts of assets. Like this would not, it would not be hard for them.
2: Yeah, really look, uh, we here at Yellow are really trying to innovate in the agile space and compete with software developers. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs>
1: well, and, I mean, and- they're almost doing that, and they're they're saying that they're restructuring right now to become more competitive, which is, you know, as we know, just a pre like a a, a pretext for for laying everyone off. I mean the teamsters say that their restructuring plans violate the contract uh yeah. and additionally the idea that workers should suffer for owners mismanagement won't fly uh yeah it
0: it's yeah. just ridiculous
2: restructuring is just a synonym for hiding money
0: <laughs> yeah most of the time um and so but just before the deadline on Sunday Uh, On July 23rd, the board of the Central States Pension Fund agreed to give Yellow an extension of 30 days before benefit accruals would be suspended for nonpayment. So a strike has been averted at Yellow as uh, driver's benefits will continue to accrue at their normal rate for the next 30 days. But just because the strike has been averted for now... (laughs) Uh, I mean, if yellow has been this badly run and they are this fucked up, like we could be at this exact same spot 30 days from now. And so. in
2: 30 days, we could be two weeks into a UPS strike as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I imagine if the strike happens in 30 days, it will already be over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the teachers will have already won the greatest contract they've ever had. Um, yeah, but yeah, anyways, yellow needs to get their fucking shit together. <laughs>
2: Um. Well, transitioning from uh, orange-yellow trucks to the booming green industry. I don't have a good transition for this. It's a weed story, everybody. That's, That's right, why folks. I'm talking at you. Uh, so we have previously discussed the issue of labor-peace agreements. In fact, I would argue that they're one of the greatest enemies of the show. Um, <laughs> and their prevalence in the legal weed industry, which is a huge problem, the way that they can promote unionization Technically, but often in a defanged way where the union is prevented from using its one real leverage, which is the strike. So this week, we learned that even that enormous concession to capital was not enough for many of the weed bosses of California. Reporting from MJ Biz Daily, one of the most reputable cannabis publications, <laughs> which covers the industry, r- reveals... um this reporting reveals that at least a dozen dispensaries in California have tried to evade the legal requirement to allow workers to unionize by signing labor peace agreements with a union that doesn't even really exist. Um, and if that sounds deranged to you, well, that it, it is. It is. You're right. You're not just high. So, <laughs> like several <laughs> other states, California requires dispensaries and grow facilities in the recreational marijuana industry to allow workers to unionize without interference. But... Rather than simply accept this, a dozen dispensaries thought that they would be clever and signed agreements claiming their workers are represented by the Professional Technical Workers Union Local 33, or tech and just from naming conventions alone, you can tell workers didn't fucking come
0: up with that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, uh, I know. Like when I was reading this, and and I saw that, yeah, the Professional Technical Workers Union Local Thirty Three. I'm like, okay, so the person who made that up has heard of OPEIU. Mm-hmm and tried to make a, a name that sounds like, cause cause when you read it's like the office and professional, you know, employees, industrial union, you're like, Oh, that's a lot of very generic sounding words, even though they are a very mm-hmm. real uh, uh, union, but like the, the, the professional technical workers, that's like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. And also
2: like a bunch of weed workers in California in 2023, aren't going to name their local big nugs 420. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well yeah, I mean, because what's I mean, the the Teamsters division that that, that unionizes dispensaries is at Teamsters four twenty. Like exactly the people involved in this industry are in on the jokes. Exactly. So. Well,
2: and like the we don't want the bosses to have those jokes. We have to make it clear that those are our fucking jokes. The funny numbers <laughs> are ours. Like you so that's right.
0: That's right. <laughs> and and so yeah, so a couple of weeks ago on July sixth, California's Agricultural Labor Relations Board ruled that Protect Protect is quote Not a bona fide labor organization, end quote. Uh, The so-called union failed to provide the workers it was supposedly organizing with information about the union at all uh, to engage in any bargaining with any of the dispensaries or to actually really represent them. They only existed on paper to help businesses evade the requirements of the law, which this is like that's we're reaching back. A minute for this tactic like mm-hmm. I, i'm like i feel like this is like 30s level of of, of goofy tactic where this it's isn't not even like, a company
1: union this is not this is a fake non-existent union
0: mm-hmm. yeah i know
2: <laughs> this is this is the boss's equivalent of pocket sand <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> except <laughs> not as funny um But yeah, I mean, and so, you know, the Teamsters and the UFCW have been the two primary unions that have been uh, trying to, you know, work their way into organizing workers in the, uh, the cannabis industry around the country and trying to improve some of the really awful exploitative conditions that we've talked about on the show. Teamsters, of course, have been especially active organizing shops run by Green Thumb Industries, who they went on strike for in Illinois earlier this year for better wages and conditions. And so on Monday, July 10th, California's Department of Cannabis Control declared that all labor peace agreements with ProTech were null and void, which means, of course, that all of the dispensaries that previously had been involved in those labor agreements are now in violation of the law requiring them to be involved in an agreement with an actual union. And this investigation only happened because of complaints from the Teamsters that workers at these various facilities, despite supposedly being unionized, uh, were not actually being represented at all. And so speaking with, again, highly reputable publication MJ Biz Daily. That's right. uh, (laughs) Following (laughs) the announcement of, uh, you know, the revoking of these labor peace agreements, Teamsters Western Region VP Peter Finn said, quote, signing a labor peace agreement alone isn't enough. It's about workers forming a real union and negotiating a strong Teamster contract that will change the lives of workers in the industry, end quote. That's right.
2: Hell yeah. I would argue that signing a labor peace agreement alone isn't just not enough it's not really anything <laughs> yeah,
1: <absolutely. laughs> yeah well uh in our next story we got to talk about a, no- a non-profit and as we normally do uh you're like, first you think well maybe this non-profit who uh you know vault did, did something good is actually uh you know doing a good job but uh As always, it turns out that they are not. So we need to talk about the Trevor Project, where they originally had gotten voluntary recognition, but then the company turned around and started firing workers. But first, let's talk a little bit about what the Trevor Project does. The Trevor Project is a a support service for LGBTQ youth. It has run a uh, vital network running 24 seven hotlines staffed and by trained counselors to provide free help to LGBTQ youth in distress. And I mean, especially with the massive rise in uh, assaults on LGBTQ people and our rights and, um, I mean, these sorts of uh, services have been really, really necessary, especially for for young people who feel very lost in a world that, obviously, uh, is rejecting them in in many ways, and and even adults, too. And so it has been in such demand that the uh, hotline has been, you know, expanding rapidly. The hotline that was founded in 1998 used to field about 200 distress calls per day five years ago, now it's ten times that. And uh, so, I mean, not only have the workers at the Trevor Project faced increased stress due to these, you know, these fascist attacks against queer people, um, that has also caused a huge increase in their workload. The company expanded rapidly from 50 workers to 500 workers to deal with this increased demand, but uh, some workers still trug- struggled to keep up with the uh, with the pace of work and how much that they have to do to make sure that they can, you know, serve all of these people who need this help. And, I mean, there's also been direct harassment against the workers themselves. So not only are they dealing with these incredibly stressful and emotional conversations that they're having with these abused, disenfranchised, attacked by our fascist system youths, but they themselves are seeing attacks against them. Victoria Tanikian, uh, manager with the organization, said, quote, I see the emotional toll that it can take on a job where you're constantly around suicidality or you're constantly thinking about the, all of the bills that are being passed in the United States. The union effort is really personal. We all came here because this is the work that we want to do, end quote. And so, as I had mentioned before, they came; these workers came together and formed a union this past spring and asked for recognition. The company did actually voluntarily recognize them after four weeks, and they formed their union Friends of Trevor United, affiliated with the CWA, uh, becoming their officially recognized union. The new union said that they plan to negotiate for sustainable workloads, but also for higher pay, zero tolerance tolerance discrimination policies, and to get their already good health care benefits solidified in a contract. Emma Tuzillo, a trained associate, said, quote, We all come to this work with so much passion for the mission to end suicide among LGBTQ young people. We want to have resources and the support to do our jobs well, end quote. And then, also, as I alluded, uh, they have the, despite the fact that they voluntarily recognize the union, they have kind of reneged on that a bit.
0: Yeah, I was, uh, I, because I had written the notes for this originally and I was like, oh, hey, a good story (laughs) about unionizing in a nonprofit. Hell yeah, I can drop this one at the end of the episode before the meme review. It's going to be great. Look, it's the exception that proves the, Rule, and nope, nope, it's just the rule. Still (laughs) waiting on
2: that exception.
0: Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, like you were alluding to, right after they started negotiations for a contract, they announced they're going to lay off 12% of their workforce. And, again, this is not because they have a lack of demand. Like, if anything, their services are only more needed. So, you know, like you pointed out, they had rapidly staffed up to five hundred people and it experienced some growing pains, but it, it's not like they're are getting a lower volume of calls or anything that they have to handle so it's really hard to see these layoffs as anything other than retaliation for unionizing and asking for better conditions.
1: Yeah, I mean, in a statement uh, for In These Times, Friends of Trevor United said, quote, these layoffs come just months after Trevor Worker's won union recognition in April of this year. Management has falsely claimed that Early notice was provided about the layoffs. It doesn't feel like a coincidence that these layoffs include 45 bargaining unit employees, 10 of which were prominent union uh, advocates with leadership roles in the union. End quote. And yeah uh very clearly retaliation they wanted the po- the the popular image of voluntarily recognizing the union but then as soon as they were out of the press for that they went to retaliating against the union as many nonprofits do
2: well, and they just announced yeah. the layoffs, and then they tried to lie and say, we provided early notice of the layoffs, and it's like, well, you just laid us off, so we know that you didn't fucking do that. <laughs> and if if the right. lying seems right on its face, uh, the Trevor Project didn't even fucking stop there, because they also claim that the layoffs are necessary due to changes in the economic climate, which, if you're a listener of this show— just between you and me, I know that you know that's bullshit just right away. just just sniffing it.
0: Changes in the economic climate is like that is the boss layoff excuse equivalent of when your insurance claims that they don't owe you money for whatever happened to the thing that they were insuring because of an act of god mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's this was out of our hands, so we're not paying for it like that it, it's it's it is bullshit it is it is an excuse. They made it because you're you are a non profit. What changes to what economic climate? What are you talking about? <laughs> like, the, the change to the economic climate is your workers unionized. Like, that's <laughs> that's that's what you mean with that excuse. It's bullshit, exactly. And, and, mm-hmm. Yeah. And the workers have very correctly instead called for hey, you need to save some money. Uh, why don't you uh, resign? CEO who has an incredibly high salary if that's where you know if they if they really are in such dire straits maybe that's the first place that we should be cutting but of course we haven't seen them take that step and I don't I'm not going to hold my breath for them to actually do so so unfortunately I think we've seen yet another case where even the best nonprofits. because look none of this is to disparage the work that the people at the Trevor Project do Fantastic, incredibly important work. The people that that do that stuff are wonderful people. But you can't treat the people that are doing that this way. That's so fucked up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and uh, to move to our next story, which is also a story about queer people and the workplace, we have uh, have an announcement from the uh, popular dating app, a uh, grinder where around 100 workers have filed for union recognition this past Thursday the union includes uh workers in cloud engineering IT design marketing and quality assurance uh, they announced their intention to unionize at the company, at a company all hands meeting. That's which so cool! Is a very powerful statement of union in, uh, of unity in its own right. To that's be that's the like, coolest such, shit
2: I ever heard. That's
1: such a powerful
2: move. Well, <laughs> we're <laughs> all here. May as well say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, they said that they have a vast majority of workers who had already signed cards and request that the company voluntarily recognize the union. Uh, I have not checked up on that just yet, but as far as I can tell, that has not happened
0: yet. Yeah, uh, I don't believe so.
1: Yeah. The new union's vision statement begins with, quote, We are the workers at Grinder. We comprise members of the LGBTQIA plus community and strong allies who work here because we want to center the queer ex- experience. We're dedicated to the successful. We're dedicated to the success of this organization, and sincerely believe that success can be achieved by prioritizing the humanity of our users and not just their wallets. As members and allies of communities that are systematically oppressed, we know that strength lies in working together, not alone. End quote. Uh, and I mean, this is a really great statement of solidarity saying that they're going to fight for better conditions for themselves and others. But the things that they are fighting for that are also in this statement and also – Curiously, not very well described in the articles about this particular union. Uh, the statement says that they are fighting to secure uh, their existing bene- benefits such as trans-inclusive health care. That actually was in the article. But then also remote work. Uh, and to win new benefits and protections like, uh, and I don't think any of these were in there necessarily, uh, closing the gender and race pay gaps pursuing anti-racism in grinders hiring process and product decisions cost of living adjustments that one definitely wasn't in the article uh, better pay and bonus structure and urging the company to add worker a worker rep- representative to the board actually that last one was in there and they said well they do that in Europe uh, <laughs> and yeah I don't know I'm, I'm, I'm a little salty about the way that the the article about the way that this union was covered in in the articles but anyway they're unionizing with the cwa in the code cwa branch and so all power to these workers and uh you know we really hope to see great successes from them in their organizing
2: oh yeah well as long as we're talking about workers that are spinning up fresh groups of u- of unionized workers Uh, let's, Let's talk about the Animation Guild, which is filing to unionize at both WB and Cartoon Network. So this is 65 staffers at Warner Brothers Animation and 22 at Cartoon Network who have filed a petition for an NLRB election while simultaneously requesting voluntary recognition from management at both of these WB subsidiaries. So workers in these groups work as production managers, production assistants, design production coordinators, assistant production managers, and senior assistant production managers. I don't really know what any of those things do, but they are all workers, and they deserve your respect.
0: Uh (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think my – I mean, my guess is that, you know, so – as somebody who does a lot of coordination, <laughs> as I'm imagining, is, a, is, is the primarily what this is. It's, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's what it really seems like is basically like, look, you have your people who are actually drawing or I mean, at this point on a computer who are animating or your artists and whatever. And you have your writers and you have your actors and you have those groups. But, you know. You also need to coordinate that mm-hmm. you need to be able to get those groups talking to each other and back and forth and and making sure that input from one group is going to the other. And that's what I, I, I imagine is largely what these folks do. It's that it, it, it's making sure that people are, are, are connecting to the different groups that they need to, to, to make the, the, what they're, whatever they're putting together in this case, you know, animation mm-hmm. is a success and that, all those different groups have all the material supplies they need and all and, and all of that and, and so that yeah. that's what i think all of these various you know production managers production assistants uh would do uh based on you know my job
2: well <laughs> it doesn't exactly sound glamorous so I'll more power to them uh it sounds like it might actually be quite difficult <laughs> um, so
0: well i mean but yeah it's it's one of those things it's uh, even even for the jobs that i think people associate with animation mm-hmm. like the artists the storyboarding actors, or yeah i mean how many times we've we covered on this show it's like that work is very cool but it's also tends to be uh hugely long hours and, and mm-hmm. sometimes very abusive management so yeah i mean it's it's all real work so. right
2: well, yeah, yeah, definitely. And the 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 burgeoning union uh, addressed this when they announced their effort on a Zoom call Wednesday the nineteenth, with production workers from both brands and members from the Animation Guild present. Warner Bros. Animation production manager Hannah Ferenc said in a statement. Quote, "Although many might not think it, production is a specialized skill. We might not be artists or writers, but what we bring to the table goes beyond traditional creativity and gets content on the air. Having lived through the existing state of the animation industry for the past 7 years, I want to make sure that not only our current workers, but all those who choose to join us in the future, can feel secure in following their passion by earning livable wages and being treated with the dignity and respect they deserve. So I guess if I had just let her answer the question," Uh, maybe we wouldn't have had to run around (laughs) in circles
0: yeah if you've ever played any sort of like Overwatch style game you know you need your support classes
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) absolutely shit just doesn't get done without them uh, and so we did also hear from Tag Organizer, Tag is the Animation Guild, Ben Spate, who said one primary reason for organizing was the merger of development and production departments between the two brands. So I, at first I thought that meant they were merging development and production, but no, they're taking the development and production units from each of the two brands and just smooshing them together with their mm. counterparts, which unsurprisingly, the production teams are not happy with, or or I guess also the... Um, The development teams as well. So uh, the workers are seeking, quote, uh, this is something that they announced back in October 2022. The workers are seeking, quote, consent over that process and a collective voice to ensure that their jobs and standards are protected, end quote.
0: They're also... I mean, that makes sense because, you know, one of, the, one of the near certainties with any sort of merger like this mm-hmm. is that, well, why are we doing this merger? For efficiency, which what that means is so we can lay people we've declared redundant mm-hmm.
2: off. You got to go talk to the bobs, essentially. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Uh, so they, it also said in one of the articles that they are also concerned about higher pay, portable benefits, and overtime pay for production managers who you have to imagine probably work a lot of overtime. Uh, the Animation Guild has already organized bargaining units on shows like Rick and Morty, Solar Opposites, The Simpsons, Family Guy, and American Dad. So some pretty big fucking heavy hitters on primetime mm-hmm. animation. And also at studios like Titmouse and Shadow Machine. So that covers your late night adult swim. They are also currently attempting to organize at Walt Disney Animation Studios. Hell Hell yeah. (laughs) That's all I have to say about that. So in a statement about the Warner Bros and Cartoon Network effort, Cartoon Network production coordinator M. Hagen said, quote, Growing up, my parents' union was the reason my brother and I had good health care, financial aid for our college educations, and general security when the job market was so harsh. I believe a union like that at Cartoon Network and Warner Brothers will help all of us continue to work jobs we love and feel assured that our futures are bright, end quote. And also notably, the studios did not respond to how hollywoodreporter.com when asked for comment so (laughs) fuck them
0: well this rules i mean this is uh i mean this is like the second big animation like studio step or big animation guild like step forward that we've seen in like the last month that rules like we got the first unionized animation shop in texas and now like i mean getting production workers unionized at two of the biggest animation studios out there
2: mm-hmm. rules. well and it's also going to be really nice to see like um they mentioned that titmouse had a that mm-hmm. and i think we talked about that on the show as well and that really sticks it to the turner broadcasting corporation which i <laughs> particularly hate so that's really nice
0: <laughs> hell yeah. yeah so uh our next story just A a pretty quick one here, but one that's a little different, you know, than I don't know. I don't think we've covered this particular industry Mm -hmm. before. Uh, So we've got our first climbing gym union story on the show uh, because workers at the Vital Climbing Gym in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, uh, unionized last Thursday, July 20th at a pretty uh, overwhelming victory of 43 to 8, uh, forming the new Climbers United Union. Uh, now officially certified by the NLRB. And uh, so the owners of this climbing gym claimed in 2010 that they were opening the business with the intent of making climate gyms progressive community centers. (laughs) Sorry. But apparently, according to the workers, uh, that hasn't really happened. (laughs)
2: Oh, big surprise.
0: Yeah, so... Okay, so Vital uh, – so one of the – work. this is one of the things. So when I was first – I'm just going to do this aside because I think it's kind of funny. But, like, when I was first reading the notes for this, I just kind of skimmed, and I missed the t- name of the gym. So every time That's I saw – That's why I stopped just now. Every time I saw a Vital employee, I'm like, well, every employee is a Vital <laughs> <laughs> But so worker at Vital Climbing Gym and also a unionization leader, Aaron Vanek – told Brooklyn paper on June 22nd, quote, from the time that I started, there was kind of this idea that, you know, this isn't really that great of a job. And it's fun when you start out, but over time it kind of wears on you. And there's a sense that we're not valued as much as we would like to be. We're in a position where we know that we want to make a change and we have the support to do it. This is a great time to do this kind of stuff. And I think it's important in the industry, end quote. yeah And just to editorialize, like, I think you can get so much out of that quote, like there, like, because this is, I think one of those things that we talk about, you know, it's important to have union struggle because it builds more union struggle, which furthers the broader class struggle as it is. And, you know, we talk about all the time, like why it's so important to support the UPS strike because it's nationwide and it shows everybody, you know, that this workers have power when we come together and that inspires new stuff. Mm hmm. This is, like, one of the clearest examples of this because, like, I don't know of any other climbing gym union. There may be some, but I haven't heard of any. But these folks, you know, from seeing, look at all the other folks unionizing. Starbucks, look at the folks that are striking, the writers and the actors. And they're just like, maybe we should unionize mm-hmm. and now they have and that rule yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: well and it's maybe it's not uh not always like i mean there should be more gyms organized in general cuz a lot sure. of that is incredibly strenuous work where there are i mean I, there's a comrade of mine that I, I i've met through through the podcast but uh they're organizing a, a gym of sorts and it's like just hearing the working conditions there it's very strenuous. People get hurt. There's not always support. Like it's it's definitely something that's important.
2: Every worker in imagine- a gym should get ten dollars every time the lunk alarm goes off. I'll just say that.
0: <laughs> I I have to imagine wage theft is probably just well, everywhere.
2: Most gyms, history. I don't know how it is with climbing gyms, which seem maybe more like tourist attractions, but like regular workout gyms are basically just legal scams. <laughs> <Yes>. So yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so uh, the workers filed with the NLRB for their union election back in May in hopes of, of, of trying to organize for better pay, increased benefits, and other issues, and now they have succeeded in winning their union. And, and uh, another worker, Varun Mehta, said on Thursday, quote, "...those of us on the organizing committee and the wider body of vital employees are absolutely thrilled by this result. And more than that, we're absolutely unsurprised by this result." From the very beginning, we've maintained that this is a motion aimed directly at positive and tangible change. For those of us who work at this company and in recent weeks, I think we've been extremely successful at spreading that information across the team. What we see today is the clear result of that action and all our organizing to date. We needed 51% to win today. We had over 81%. There is going to be a union at Vital Climbing Gym and we couldn't be more excited, end quote.
1: I love that brag. Yeah, you know, we only needed fifty-one percent, but we got eighty-one. We rock.
2: We're pretty fucking rad. <laughs> Hell yeah.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah. So hats
0: off to these these workers this rules.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's do a I mean, this isn't a follow up, but it's kind of uh, important in regards to the UPS strike that is kind that is, you know, on its way towards us. So, I mean, we've seen the massive... St- trying to avoid the word looming, I see. Yeah. I, I'm actually, staring at this
2: UPS strike like a cow looks at an oncoming train.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have to, I've, I'm trying to find new ways to say it each time, and I'm running out because I've just been talking about it so much because i are just like, so excited. But anyway... Um, The massive support shown for labor from the working class and more broadly, the UPS Teamsters in advance of the potential strike has got an additional, like, we've seen so many different boosters of it, but an additional major boost this week when the Independent Pilots Association announced that they will refuse to cross the picket line if a strike occurs. This is a critical victory for Solidarity generally because the IPA represents UPS's 3,300 pilots who fly the company's air freight from hub to hub across the country. Uh, Without their labor, UPS will have literally no hope of continuing to operate its network with scabs, even with its hugely reduced capacity. Scabs can't move packages if the packages don't even get to the warehouses.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so we had a quote from IPA president, uh, Robert Travis, who said in a letter to the Teamsters quote, in 1997, a hundred percent of our pilot group respected your picket lines by not turning an aircraft wheel on behalf of the company, end quote. And he vowed to continue that solidarity again this year, if the UPS Teamsters are forced by the company to strike. And, and this I think is, is a, one thing just to add to like how this is a big show of solidarity, obviously It's critical from a tactical perspective. Uh, But also, you know, to point out that, like, the IPA, these these workers, like, they are not a part of the Teamsters. They're a separate union. And while, you know, the pilots are pretty well paid uh, on a relative sense, I mean, nothing, of course, compared to the bosses, but this is a huge material support by them because they do not have a permanent strike fund. Mm -hmm. So if they go on strike, they will, they will not be getting strike pay. And so the fact that, you know, these, these pilots are are willing to do that, I think just adds, to, you know, the the amount of solidarity being shown here, uh, you know,
2: The pilots probably interact with these fucking Teamsters fairly often, too. And, I mean, when you uh, interact with someone face-to-face at your respective jobs, uh, that goes a long way as well.
0: Yeah, and, and so, like, and we know that the company's going to try, if there is a strike, and use managers as scabs. Uh, I was actually, I, I saw a clip somebody had posted, I think, on Twitter of a, Interview. I think it was like a CPS truck or something that was that was following around a manager in the 1997 UPS strike, trying to watch him try and act as a scab. And the manager was like. Normally, I sit in an office all day. (laughs) So I kind of think you're going to see the same thing if that happens again. And there was a consulting firm that's been looking at this, trying to forecast what will happen if there is a strike. And they told Freight Waves, which is like a trade paper, who actually read a lot of stories from during the run-up to the rail strike, they estimated that managers could move 22% of the company's normal volume, (laughs) which I find to be a ludicrously optimistic... Like I'm like uh, 12 percent no. No. maybe take away a digit twenty two percent no way take away uh, a
2: digit two percent <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> they they're gonna be able to do the work so it's like what three hundred forty thousand ten percent of that is three.
0: Yeah, so of, about 000. seventy thousand teamsters.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: they're they're not going
0: to be able to do that much work. No, no. absolutely not. Yeah, so. Whatever,
2: whatever, quote unquote work they get done will probably have to be undone when everyone comes back to work.
0: Yeah, so if you're a business person looking to hire a consultant who wants to tell you what you want to hear, hire the the company that made that report. Hell yeah. if you want them to give you good information. Don't hire that company. <laughs> uh, but so and of course, practice pickets have continued across the country all week, extending from uh, and so with some great pictures all the way from Hawaii to Maine, uh, which that was pretty cool to see. Uh, Sean O'Brien rallied with Teamsters on both coasts last week, uh, and held a joint press conference with new UAW president Sean Fain in solidarity ahead of, you know, the potential for a strike both at UPS, but then later this year at the big three automakers and calls have continued to increase on president Biden to intervene in the strike by the chamber of commerce and other ruling class organizations and not to intervene in the strike by everyone else, including uh, Sean O'Brien has been, you know, going, throwing out this line recently at rallies like, hey, uh, you know, I'm where I come from in Boston. You see two people out in the fu- the street fighting. It's got nothing to do with you. You just keep on walking, <laughs> <laughs> which is a very colorful way <laughs> to talk about this. Uh, I also just think that any attempt to, by Biden to use Taft Hartley to intervene in the strike would absolutely backfire on him completely. Uh, it's not going to go the same as as using the RLA to try and 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 crush the rail strike. So I I, I don't actually think he's going to intervene. If he does, I think it'd be incredibly stupid.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, real France hours if he tries to intervene that way. I think. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, because yeah, it's like well, because there's so many reasons, but also a big big part of it is that Taft Hartley doesn't permanently stop a strike. It just puts in a temporary injunction, and so the Teamsters could just wait that out or they could just defy the injunction which plenty of unions have done in the past and if any union has enough money to do it it's the teamsters so Hell like yeah. it like they could you could invoke taft hartley and Sean O'Brien could just tell biden to just go fuck himself and go on strike anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> which would be insanely cool but the giant fines that would hit the teamsters are not great so i you know i don't think he will intervene if he does it will fail so, uh, I've seen a lot of people like worried about that. I I'm, I'm not that concerned about so this. This is, this is too big of a strike for Taft Hartley to work. So more like
2: Taft Fartley is what you're
0: saying. <laughs> yes, that, that's, that's correct. And that is also, we will be changing the name of the show, to, <laughs> to, to... <laughs> but yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, this is, it, it's, it's, we're down to the wire and, and, but the pressure from the practice picketing is, it has does seem to have had an effect Uh, because UPS announced that they will be coming back to the table this week uh, on Tuesday. So uh, today, the day that you're listening to this, the 25th, to attempt to prevent a strike. Clearly, uh, it it seems that they've recognized that the Teamsters are more than ready for a strike and won't have any trouble keeping the vast, vast, vast majority nearly unanimous out uh, on strike should one occur. And it seems like they are scrambling to try and save themselves uh, from the mess that they have put themselves in. You know, they could actually s- just avoid
1: the whole thing by uh, paying part-time workers.
0: I know, right? It's so easy. Like, they they made a bunch of stupid mistakes to get themselves in this bind, but they have a really easy out. Just pay the workers. As usual. <laughs> easy peasy. Well, <laughs> also, as usual, meme review. Hell yeah. That's right. <laughs> And, I mean, I guess also as usual, you know, we've, our first one this week, we've got a, 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 a long-time work stoppage meme review stalwart from uh, Cats with Hard Hats where you've got the, the the like, orange cat with his hard hat and his can of Zoomies energy drink in a machine shop captioned, hitting Saturday with 70 hours on the clock feel like, wait, wait, do I live here? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I'm. I mean, I haven't worked in a machine shop, but I have done jobs where you have to put in many, 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 many hours, and even a forty-hour week can sometimes feel like, do I live here?
2: At any given job, yeah. it's about ninety percent more likely I can find something in a cabinet than in my own home. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, I really hate to admit oh, that man. that's true. Um, speaking of things I hate to admit, some uh, unscrupulous podcaster has screen one of my tweets and put it in the meme review.
0: Don't not really me. really this tweet, so I put it in here. Thank <laughs> this you is so not, much. John is not promoting his own tweets. I put this in here. I would do
2: that, though. But in any <laughs> case, uh, so this is a, a tweet from someone called at Facebook fill in, and it says, Customers <laughs> will see you haunting a, excuse me, haunting a jummy tomb. Uh, <laughs> Customers will see you humming a jaunty tune and go into attack mode. And then I replied with a, a photo of, I think this is like a leopard or something in the woods with glowing eyes. In, and it
0: says, in trail cam cameras, so yeah. the eyes are enormous. Yeah.
2: Says so here we see a wild customer who has just sensed a shred of joy coming from a member of the staff. And I posted all of this immediately after being berated for a guy, berated by a guy, for not having plain Fritos. I had chili cheese Fritos. He wanted plain. Who wants plain Fritos?
1: I mean, plain Fritos are good, but chili cheese are just better.
2: Maybe on a salad you want plain Fritos. I know that's not what he wanted, though.
0: But also, don't. Who harasses the vending machine guy about what's in the vending machine? You harass your boss yeah. about what's in the vending machine.
2: Look, the Fritos are chili cheese this week. I don't I, I don't work for the Frito-Lay Corporation, okay? <laughs> Get off my back.
0: <laughs> oh, man. But I, this is, I, I know that, like, yes, I put one of John's tweets in here, but this is a universal experience. Everyone has encountered the customer mm-hmm. who does this, who sees a, you know, a, a cashier, Having a happy conversation with another worker and being like, this person is not toiling mm-hmm. oh. and they must toil. You know, <laughs> this is
1: kind of unrelated, but do you know one time a worker accused me of stealing their gun from their bag? I'm gonna have to tell what? that story on the show one time. Yeah, one anyway, of these days.
0: She's <laughs> gonna drop that and leave. Yeah. I, oh, okay. <laughs> Our
1: next one is a, another tweet. Uh, this one is by It's Beardo Weirdo.
0: It, this is just text. It's not really a meme. It's cheating, but I thought it was very funny.
1: Yeah, it says, <laughs> uh, One time I almost got fired because a district manager asked me how long it would take to fix someone's inventory fuck up on the computer, and I said, an hour and a half. And they went, how long would it take with my help? And I said, three hours. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, man, uh, that's th- just so good. <laughs>
2: that's precisely the kind of shit I get in trouble for, because when someone tees you up like that, <laughs> you can't, like, I know how to not mouth off of my own accord, but when you set something up... <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, oh, yeah. Man. Um, And then I guess uh, I could do the next one as well. This is a, a very cute image with uh, cats on a train. In fact, there are uh, four cats, Alright, four cats total. You might not see the fourth one because it's got the face like Thomas the Tank Engine nice. kind of thing in the in the front there. Uh this one has yes, a nice those of
0: you who've seen My Neighbor Totoro, you've seen Cat Bus. This is Cat Train. Mm-hmm.
1: It's got a real like kind of an like kind of uh I don't know I don't wanna say uh low quality. It's just like uh, not a lot of uh, detail but still very cute drawing uh animation style, but it's um uh, politicians will always choo choo choose capitalism over human rights. Hell and no. uh, it's just true. I also uh, believe
2: it's a reference to the Valentine's card that Ralph Wiggum gave Lisa Simpson in an early episode <laughs> yes. of The Simpsons that said, I choo choo choose you.
0: <laughs> yes. from the, <laughs> If you pause it at exactly the right frame, you can see the moment his heart breaks. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Bart just replays it over and over. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but. For the last one I figured you know this is this is this is the last regular show before uh, we may see the, the Teamsters on strike nationwide at UPS. So I got to do a picture from a practice picket, which I thought was hilarious. So it's, it's you know, the, the, the Teamsters have been putting out pictures from practice pickets all over the country, every single state. <laughs> but somebody found this one from a practice picket where, you know, almost everybody there is holding their standard just practicing for a just contract sign. But then there's one guy who's holding the big sign up over his head like it's the boom box from, uh, from, John, from John Cusack from fucking High Fidelity, I think. I don't remember. Anyway, so he's holding the sign over his head. And it just says, spread some cheese on this broke cracker. <laughs>
1: I it's I think should... the image here is really good. This is one of the ones where you're going to want to actually see the image cuz uh it the guy's face is just deadpan right at the camera. <laughs> Almost like I guess there is an, another uh person or two looking at the camera, but this guy is like straight up center of the image just right at you. It, it's it's really good. Um, yeah. yeah,
2: do it UPS. He kind Pay of him. he kind of has like an aura of like, you know, uh intent. You can tell he's not messing around. It's kind of like when you uh first in are introduced to money. a JoJo's character.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got you got to put those like uh, uh uh like menacing kanji characters <laughs> next to. <him. laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and his like stand would be Take the money and run or something. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Damn, there you go. <laughs> All right, well now that we've 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 created a JoJo character out of a UVS worker. <laughs> yeah,
1: now that we've done that, we have to wrap the show. We've done we've gone uh too hard in this episode. Uh we want to thank everyone for listening. You can share the show to, you know, support us. You can also support us at patreon.com slash workstoppage, where, you know, the it's the only way that we get any funding for doing this show and you also get access to all of our awesome bonus content. We just finished our cybernetics and labor series tentatively i think
2: tentatively Uh, i already have ideas for more episodes and i'd also like to do a different series before i dive back into that but that's that's neither here nor there right this second
1: (laughs) yeah so become a patron and access that it's eight great episodes of learning what cybernetics is and how to apply it to labor and all that stuff and there's also a ton of other content in there Jump in the Discord and come hang out with us, and follow us in all the places. I believe uh, I am uh, both John, I and the podcast are on Blue Sky now. John is also at Facebook Villain on Twitter mm-hmm. and on Blue Sky. I'm at Solidarity B, all one word. Technically on Twitter and Blue Sky, but I don't ever use Twitter, so I guess follow me on blue sky uh and then follow the pod at work stoppage pod i believe on blue sky it's work stoppage i really got to get these more consistent (laughs) anyway all the other links are at workstoppagepod.com uh and listen to beep beep lettuce listen to red game table and as always labor peace is not in our interest and solidarity forever
0: solidarity go out to your local practice pickets support your ups teamsters solidarity everybody Colt elbow shirts and Hold
2: your faces on this bus Back to a list of Just like a ditch in city's weather crust But there's something about the city